today on It's Time. God is setting you up. People saying it's a setup. Sure is. God's setting you up for eternal reward. I hear the calling. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, he's going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. So turn there in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. So God wants you and me, being about our Father's business, to remind those there is a judgment that is coming. I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown. Hey, listen. You think the devil wants to steal your crown away? I know he does. He always wants to trip you up. The Bible says he's the father of all lies. He's the destroyer. That's what he was. Jesus said he was a liar from the beginning. And when we realize this formidable enemy that we all have, you better have God in your corner defending you. It's like I... Sometimes you you, you see such a bad mismatched fight. You ever seen one of those? You know, some little weakly person comes out and there's a big hulkster comes out and, you know, just drives him in the... through the ring like like a tent stake. Well, that's kind of the way we are when we come up against the devil if you don't have God in your life. God is the force behind us. And the Bible tells us that we have power from him to overcome the devil. Remember, you as a Christian, you have a real enemy, the devil. Peter says, as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he can devour. That is what the devil wants to do. Devour you. Do you know what being devoured means? You get ate up. Don't allow that to happen to you. Stay close to the Lord. He said, no one, that no one can take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make of him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more, and I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. We talked about this last week. This is the second time we found this. God's going to give all of us a brand new name. Wow. Now, um, again, I don't know all that entails, but I know we're going to get a brand new name to match our brand new body. And I'll tell you, the older I get, the more I need a brand new body. Have you noticed that? Do you get up in the morning and realize your aches have aches? You, do, do you realize that you, used, you can't do what you used to do? And if you do what you used to do, you will pay for it. I, I have found over and over again, I, I often say I can do everything that I could, used to be able to do when I was 30. I just have to pay for it for a couple of weeks afterwards. Well, that's true. Why? Because we're all experiencing 
aging. And you don't have to be, you don't have to be 50 or 60 to begin to feel this. You can feel it when you're in your 20s. And uh, you'll find this all the way through your life. I, sometimes I'm, I'm kind of amused when I'm around younger people that are in their 20s and they go, oh, I ache. And I go, honey, you ain't seen nothing yet. And you say, well, how is that? You know, I, I, and I, the only way I can describe it maybe for younger people is when, do you remember when you were little, you had growing pains? You're, every once in a while, your legs would just hurt, like when you were like eight or nine and your legs would just hurt. It all comes back. You're going to get a new body to match that brand new name that God is going to give you. <clears throat> he says, he who hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I think it's really important. I believe these two churches that we're going to focus on today, this first one, are churches that are around today. We want to be the Philadelphian church. In fact, I think most Christians think that they're the Philadelphian church, the church of brotherly love. But my question is, are we? And we, I think that's a good question we have to ask ourselves. I don't want to assume something that isn't necessary. Am, am I really willing to help somebody that's, that's been, been hurt? Am I really willing to reach out to those that maybe don't have a mom or don't have a dad? Or am I really willing to, to become involved in them? Well, they might not like me. Yeah, but they might really like you. Well, I don't want to meddle in other people's affairs. Listen, a lot of people are praying that somebody would. They're stretched beyond their own capabilities to do something, and they need help. They need you. They don't need you. They need God that's in you, the hope of glory. And they pray for somebody to come along. So to be the church of brotherly love just can't be in name, but it has to be in demonstration, getting involved in their life. And I shared this before, almost to the point of having to earn the right to share the gospel with them. That's what it means. Now, verse 14, and I believe this is the last church in the history and the order of things, and it's pretty much, but the last church comes up. In fact, Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is interesting when we look at this church. And to the church of Laodiceans write, and this means ruled by the people. Not, no longer ruled by God, but ruled by the people. That's what Laodicea means. To the angel at this church, write, These things says the Amen. Amen means so be it. The faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. Now again, he is the beginner of the creation of God. It doesn't mean that he is the first one that was created. It means he's the beginner. He's the birther of all things. In fact, if we go back to the book of John, it says all things were made by him, speaking of Jesus Christ, and without him, anything that is made was not made. So uh, uh, he, is the, he is the beginner of all creation is really a more proper wording of this because we get a, a, a thought of, of in order and it's not. It simply means that he's the, the beginning of the creation of God. So he, everything that was created was created through Jesus Christ. I know your works. Again, God knows these things. Um, he not only knows what we do, he knows why we do them. He says, I know your works, that you are neither 
cold nor hot. And I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew spew you out of my mouth. Wow. Cold or hot? How do you like your tea? How do you like your coffee? I don't like... Yeah, You ever got a, a mocha? An iced mocha? They're good. And you put it in your car... And you drink it down, and as you're driving along, and you got it sitting there alongside of you, and you're just driving along, and all of a sudden you look down and say, hey, I haven't had any of my mocha lately. And you reach back down, and you pick it up, and you take a swig of it, but by then it's been about like 45 minutes, and it's lukewarm. It's gaggy. I like coffee cold. I like it hot. I like tea ice cold. I like it hot. But in between just doesn't do it, does it? Now, you, 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 you probably go away from here and say, all I learned out of that church today was that you don't want lukewarm tea. You know, no, I hope you learn more than that. But it says, because you're neither, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Now, this is interesting because this is Jesus talking to a church, friends. This is Jesus talking to Christians, saying, I'll spew you out of my mouth. This idea of, well, you know, you just accept Christ and live like hell because I'm still going to heaven. I don't know what verse that is. I never found it in my Bible. I find a lot of verses that say when we abide in Christ, that doesn't mean we don't sin. That doesn't mean, but we're not talking about habitual, purposeful, meaningful rebellion against God. I believe that again, as it says here, we want to take our relationship with God seriously. And so he says, Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Wow. You do not know that you are wretched, completely separated from God. You do not know you're miserable. It's funny. Money can sometimes mask our miserableness. Have you ever noticed that? Well, if I just had, you talk worldly people, if I just had to win the lotto, you know, I'd buy this and I'd buy that and I'd buy my problems away. And then you see these books come out, the people who have won the lottery that now are so much worse than they were before they won the lottery because the problem is not what you have, it's your relationship with God. There's an old saying, if you're not thankful for what you have, you won't be thankful for what you get. And most people that are always looking for something else are not thankful for where they're at right now. Because God teaches us where we're at right now about his provision. If you were never poor as a Christian, you would have never known the provision of God in your life. So how can you then comfort somebody that comes to Christ who's been strung out in drugs, they've, been, they've, they've wrecked their life, and you can say, but listen, when you come to Christ, God will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory. I've never had to experience that myself because I was always kind of a rich kid and won lotteries and things like that, but that's what the Bible says. Hope you figure it out. No, that's pretty lousy testimony, ain't it? It'd be a lot better to say, you know, I was just like you. I was poor. I was blind. I was miserable. And, and, and God came in my life and he met all my needs. Oh, man, we used to have Holy Ghost prayer ghost meetings around the washing machine. God, let it do another load. Hallelujah. Ah, it's working yet. God, please let it start one more time. Crunk, 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 crunk. 
Hallelujah. You had a relationship with God. You prayed about everything. But then we begin to get blessed. We're not spending $10,000 a month or $5,000 or however much money we could steal from others to pay for our drug habits. And God begins to bless us financially. Well, then I buy a new car, and I don't pray about my car anymore. It's, it's got a two-year warranty. I got a problem. I don't pray. I go down and yell at the guys down. My friend, my cousin, he worked at a car dealership in, let's see, it was, I think, Paso Robles. And he said that he was the general manager, and he said people would come in irate because their car under warranty wouldn't work right. And they would come in yelling and swearing and cussing, and he said it was ugly. And he says, I kept trying to figure out what should I do to stop this? And so he said, what I did is I got a big plate glass mirror, and I put it behind the counter. So when they would come in, and they were red in the face, and they were, they got to see what they look like. And he said, most of those problems went away. When, we, when they really got to see what they were really looking like. Well, the point is, is this. God will provide for us. But our money can take the place. We can buy things. I don't pray about the car. I just take it to the dealership. Let them figure it out. In fact, I can use my money to pretty much buy whatever it is in my life. I don't even have to pray anymore. That's why Jesus said, how hard is it for the rich to go into heaven? It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. Why is that? Your money can replace your relationship with God. Not that it really does, but the thing is, oftentimes people think that. Well, as we look at this, he says, he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire, the real thing. And that you may be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve, you may see. By the way, this place um, in Laodicea was known for their eye salve, and so he's making a little pun on their words right now. He said, maybe you need to try some Holy Ghost eye salve to so you anoint your eyes. As many as I love, now get this, I don't like this. Should we just mark this out? Do you have a pencil? We'll just scratch this verse out because I don't like it. It says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. That means spanks. But I want a God that holds the little lambs. No, a real God, your heavenly father spanks us when we're bad. Why is that? Because he loves us. If you haven't got a spanking from daddy, you're probably not his. Now, God doesn't beat us. Sometimes God just gives us a look. I know some of you have kids that are very soft-hearted, and your kids disobey you, and you give them that look, and they break into tears. Others, you can spank them, and they'll go, that didn't even hurt. You know, and then you've got to go start all over again. But the thing is, he says... As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. This is the message from God to repent. It's not that he wants to crush anybody. He wants us to walk in his ways because we rob ourselves of eternal blessings when we're not where God wants us to be. And he says, 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any voice, if, 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 behold, I stand at the door and knock. And, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And by the way, I've heard people say, well, this verse should never be used in an altar call. I would strongly suggest taking an English class to find out that, yes, it can be used at an altar call. It says this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, saved, unsaved, anyone hears my voice, God will come in and dine with him. And by the way, in those days, if you dined with somebody, whatever diseases they had, you would probably have because they didn't have nice shiny silverware. They would reach in the pot, get what they wanted, eat it, reach their hand back in the pot. It, it takes double dipping to a whole new level. But yet Jesus said, I'm not embarrassed to come in and sit down with you and have dinner with you. That's why the Pharisees came and they said, why do you eat with the Pharisees? He said, why do you eat with the publicans and the sinners? The Pharisees said. And Jesus said, the sick ones are the ones who need the doctor. You see, Jesus, the great physician, was not scared of our disease because he was the great physician. He could heal that. He says, to him that overcomes... I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Isn't that neat? A a church that, a a group of people that got so far out there, God just says, if you'll repent, I'll I'll let you come and sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Verse 4, we'll just read uh, chapter 4, verse 1. After these things... I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the voice, first voice, which I heard like a trumpet speaking to me saying, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. The word in the Greek, metatalta, the things we just read, the age of the church. You never find the church on the earth again. It's always in heaven. You'll find saints mentioned. You'll find the elect mentioned, but the church is in heaven. Why is that? I believe the rapture. In fact, when we get to chapter 5, we're going to make sure that it's the church because it says, and you have redeemed us from every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation. That's not speaking of angels, friends. That's talking about us. But the question is today, God knocks at the door of your heart. He knocks not only at the door of your heart for those that aren't born again, but he also knocks on those that are Christians that have left Jesus out of their relationship with him. He's talking to a church here that left Jesus outside of their church. Jesus is knocking on the front door of the church. Hey, I'd like to get in here. Why is that? Because, you know, we can go along with our own steam. And then, unfortunately, what happens, it isn't a, lawn, it isn't a lawnmower, it isn't a washing machine, it isn't a car. It's where you go to the doctor and the doctor says you've got six months to live. Now all of a sudden, money doesn't fix everything. Now all of a sudden, everything, all the dynamics change. You see, we're not, not promised tomorrow and that's why we need to be what God's called us to be today. God is setting you up. People say it's a setup. Sure is. God's setting you up for eternal reward. Not just what you see is what you get, but what you're going to get in eternity. God realigns our purpose with his purpose, and instead of having a temporal reward, 
that fades away, that gets old, that gets dented, that those things, God then in turn takes and allows us to spend eternity with him and reward us forever. What a great thing, man. To trade something you can't keep, to get something you can never lose, that's a good deal. People are saying, I want a good deal. That's a good deal. Because you're going to lose the stuff of this world. And some of us lose more things more quickly than we think. Whether it be our car keys, screwdriver, half-inch wrench, a spouse, our kids. But God's got something for us that will last forever. This morning, if you've never prayed and asked Christ in your life, he's knocking at the door of your heart. He wants in. We let him in. He wants to come in and have dinner with you. Light a candle. Sit down there. Sit down. How's your day? That's what God wants to do. A lot of people think God wants to come in and kick everything over in your living room and bust everything up in your kitchen. No, that's not God. God wants to come in and sit down with you. And then you look just like Zacchaeus did, the little man that was in the tree. They're all walking along. Everybody's trying to see Jesus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, a little short guy, dressed in probably bright clothes. He asked, which, which way is Jesus going? He's going down that way. Okay. He runs around the back of the crowd. He climbs up, the Bible says, into a sycamore tree. And hanging out of the sycamore tree, Jesus stops and looks up at him. Now, that's something you don't always see as a little short man in brightly colored clothes, because he's a tax collector. He had money. He was up there in his Gucci. And, and he stopped. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down out of the tree. I'm going to have dinner at your house tonight. I'm surprised he didn't fall out of the tree. But he comes down. Jesus goes to his house. And Zacchaeus says, Lord, whatever I've taken wrongly, and evidently it bothered his conscience. He said, whatever I've taken, I will restore fourfold back to whoever I've taken from. Isn't it funny that Jesus didn't say, now Zacchaeus, I'm eating dinner right now with you. Come down, candle it. We're all together here. We're good. Now, I'm going to start telling you what to do. Zacchaeus was convicted. God spoke to his heart. Jesus didn't tell him. He told Jesus, I'm going to pay back those that I've wronged. Because true repentance came to Zacchaeus. When you invite Jesus to come into your life, God will show you what you need to do. He'll lay it on your heart. And it won't be a condemning voice from the devil that says, you rotten loser, God would never have you in his presence again. Who do you think you are that think God would come and have dinner with you? That's the devil. Remember, conviction brings us closer to God. Condemnation from the devil always wants to take us away from God. That's how you, one of the things people say, how do I know whether it's God's voice or, 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 or the devil's voice? Well, I can tell you one thing. If the voice is calling you to God, it's the Holy Spirit. If it's chasing you away from God, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you didn't, you didn't do it right. That's the devil. The Bible says, come in. God says, come in. I invite you today, come into the family of God. Let him bless you. Let him heal you. Let him restore you. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, you're distant from God, I just want you to pray today and and let God do what you want. And so if you need God to do something new in your life, if this knocking on the door of your heart 
You know, I don't know if you've ever seen that picture where you see Jesus, it's a picture, and he's knocking, he's kind of knocking on the door. If you'll ever notice something interesting about that picture, there's no door handle on the outside. The door handle's on the inside. In other words, Jesus couldn't, didn't reach down and open the door. That's something we have to do. There's no door handle in the picture. I didn't catch that. My mom pointed that out to me one time when I was a little boy. She says, you'll notice there's no door handle on the door. And I go, there's not. And I said, why is that? And she says, because we have to open the door. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.